Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, y'all. I'm Mindy. I'm an alcoholic. And my day, Grace, is the 6th day, February 1988. Um, so I'm supposed to do step three. It's really kind of hard for me to um, uh, to talk about step three without uh, kind of talking a little bit about step one and two. Um, and uh, and the reason for that is because steps one and two happened for me almost at the same time. Um, step one for me was the recognition of my powerlessness over my disease. I mean, I knew my life was unmanageable. That was pretty obvious, but <clears throat> but the but that that I had um, that I had the, the 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 craving to drink alcohol and that I couldn't stop drinking once I had alcohol in my system. That was something that was really new to me. I never thought I wanted to stop drinking. Um, I used to say people would tell me that I I needed to stop drinking or that I needed to slow down, and I would say, you know, why why I can stop anytime I want to. I just don't want to stop. When the truth of the matter is that I really couldn't stop and I never really tried. Um, so, so that, you know, that's what step one was. And then the second step was for me was, um, you know, once I realized that I was powerless over alcohol, that I needed to ask God for help. And that happened at the same time for me. It happened. I was, um, uh, I was living in, in Texarkana, Texas at the time, and we, uh, the way that the way that uh, the town was set up, you can't really. I don't think you're familiar with it out here, but we had wet counties and dry counties in Texas. I don't know if they have that around here or not, but um, Texarkana is a twin city, and it sits on the state line, and the state line actually is is the state line between uh, Texas and Arkansas. Now, in on the Texas side, which is uh, Bowie County, Bowie County was dry, and Miller County, which was Arkansas, was wet. So right down the middle of town was State Line Avenue, and on on, on in the Texas side, Bowie County, you had all Baptist churches, and then on the Miller Miller County side in Arkansas, you had liquor stores. See, so you could go over into Miller County and get drunk, and then stumble across State Line and get saved over in one of the Baptist churches. So that's kind of where I was at. And I lived in a little town called Liberty Ilo, which was about 15 minutes outside of town on the, on, in Bowie County. So we were dry out there. And I had already been into town. I lived out on a ranch. I was, I was, I was working on a, um, living and working on a, a cutting horse ranch. And uh, I'll talk to any of you about what, what the heck that is later. But um, I was living on this ranch, and I'd already been into town. It was before noon. And we have drive-through liquor stores there, and um, I know that I don't think you have that around here. I say that to many people, and they're like, "Oh man, that's like cool drive-through liquor stores." So, um, but I, the Rock House liquor store was just across the state line, and I'd already been there. It was before noon, and I had a half a pint of Bacardi Light Rum. And now, my tolerance level had gone from drinking like a fifth a day to drinking a half a pint a day and and I never knew if I was going to go into a blackout you know after drinking that half pint I always knew when I was going to go into a blackout was when my nose got numb see 
But there was a girl in AA there. Her name was Eva Gail. Eva Gail always knew she was going to go into a blackout when her butt got numb. So, I don't know. My nose got numb. I knew I was going into a blackout. And that could happen anywhere from a half a pint, you know, from up to a half a pint on. So, um, I'd already been into town, drank a half a pint, and gone back out to the ranch. Well, you know what happens after that. I mean, the craving sets in. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time. And so any little excuse to go back in and get a drink, right? So I got in a fight with one of the horse trainers, and um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go back in. I'm going to get another half pint. Now, now this is a trip now, you know. I mean, why I didn't get a – it's like I'm, I'm trying to fool myself. I'm trying to hide my own, uh, my own uh, liquor consumption from myself. So by just getting a half a pint. So I go back into town. Now, I'm at this stop sign right beside a Baptist church. And I look up, and I can see the Rock House liquor store right up in front of me. And for the first time ever, I did not want to go get a drink. It was the first time. And I started pounding on the steering wheel, saying, Oh, God, please, no, not again. Please, no, not again. And with every fiber of my being, I did not want to go get a drink. That was the first time ever. That was the first time I ever didn't want to drink. But yet at the exact same time, there was a, there was a, uh, a force inside of me that, that was, it was an urge that, that was so strong that I knew that I had to drink. And here's what it felt like. It felt like I was being ripped apart like a vice. And that, and that, and that it was being ripped apart like this, and that this side did not want to drink, and this side knew I had to get a drink, and I was like stuck somewhere in the middle. I was being ripped apart, and I was crying, and I was pounding, please no God, not again. And I believe that just for a brief period of time, that was open just long enough for a drop of grace to drop in, and it slammed back shut. And of course, what did I do? I went and got a drink, because alcohol will always win. Whenever it's in my system, it will always win. So I did. I went and got a drink. Another half pint drank it before I got out of the parking lot. And I don't have any idea how long after that I ended up in Alcoholics Anonymous. It wasn't long, I don't think. Could have been a week. Could have been two weeks. Could have been three weeks for all I know. But I ended up in AA. And one of the things that I very first was told is that if I want to stop drinking and I want to stop hurting, that I would do everything that they would tell me to do. And all I said was, yes, sir. You know, they, Mac, Mac T was the one that, that, that told me this. You know, I, I, I was told, you know, that I needed to get a sponsor. And I had a, I had a problem. Because, see, I didn't like men and I didn't like women. And in 1988 in February in Texarkana, Texas, that's pretty much all we had in AA at the time. So I was, I was at a deficit already, or he's already having a problem. So I figured I'd pick the lesser of two evils and I got a man as a sponsor. And, um, you know, I, I just, I didn't trust, trust you women, but I figured I could control you, oh boy. So I got a man as a sponsor. And, um, one of the first things he told me was, you know, you want to stop drinking, you want to stop hurting, you'll do everything I tell you to do. If I tell you to go stand in the middle of the road and paint your butt red, that's what you'll do. And I said, all right. Now, see, I was already being set up for willingness. This is, I'm being set up for the third step. So um, one of the things that he told me is that you're going to have to get a woman as a sponsor. I'm like, oh, well, no, I didn't sign up for that. 
I said, uh, you know how I feel about women. What am I supposed to do? And he said, you need to get, it's easy to pick a woman, woman sponsor. You get the woman you are most afraid of. Well, I knew immediately who that was. That was Diane. Diane was like five foot two. She, she was the DCM. She was in every single meeting I was in. She opened her big mouth in every single meeting that I was in. She was everywhere I went. I mean, Diane was just everywhere. And every time she talked in a meeting, she was looking straight at me. And, again, I was being set up for the third step because I walked up to her and I, because I was willing. And I said, Diane, will you be my sponsor? And she looked at me and she smiled and she looked, she looked at me and she said, oh, I'd love to. And that was the nicest thing she ever said to me. It just went downhill from there. But one of the things that they taught me was they got me, you know, into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, they got me into the steps. And uh, I remember whenever I did the third step, I actually did the third step with Mac. And what we did was is we, we said the prayer, see? We said the prayer, which is on page 63. It says, we're now at step three. Many of us said to our makers, we understood him. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victor over them may bear witness to those that may help or your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Now, we said that together on our knees. And, and then we got up and he said, all right, start writing. Now, but the thing is, is it doesn't tell you, if you look, the very next sentence says, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were really ready, that we were, at, could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. It doesn't tell you to think real careful about it before you take the step. It tells you to think real careful about it after you take the step. So, um, you know, I thought that was kind of a, you know, I thought they were just kind of a sucker punch. But nevertheless, I was really willing to do anything I was told to do. Um, I really didn't have much of an understanding about what step three was. Uh, what I've come to understand about step three is really is it's the magic fairy dust that you sprinkle over all the other steps to make them work. Um, step three is an action step. And I didn't really quite understand what the action was. Well, first of all, the action certainly is in actually saying the prayer. But the action also is in that it's an implied action, too. My sponsor had to, you know, I was a little dense. I'd been, you know, drinking a little while, and uh, I had a little damage, brain damage. And so they had to speak to me in metaphors. They had to speak to me in pictures. And this is the way she described step three to me. She said to me, there are three frogs on a log. One frog decides to jump off the log. How many frogs are on the log? I, this was a dilemma for me. I had to think about this. And she explained to me that there were three frogs on the log because the one frog only decided to jump off, but he didn't take any action to do so. And I thought, oh, my God, that's brilliant. That's just the most brilliant thing I ever heard. And then I understood that the only way that step three actually becomes real is if I take the next step. That's the only way that step three becomes real. Now, why is that? Why is it that step three is only real and is only in, is only, um, 
you know, like you turn on the magic action of step three if I'm working the next step. Well, it t- actually tells me right here in the prayer. And I find this fascinating. It's really all over the big book, and it's in the, it's in the seventh step prayer. It's in, it's in all the prayers. But it says, God, I offer myself to, to, to you. And I, I don't do the these and the thous. And it tells me I don't have to, so I don't. It says, God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. It's not my decision. It's not my, my will is, my life is no longer my business. What goes on in my life is not my business. It's God's business. So I'm saying to God, here I am. I'm going to give my life to you to do with it what you want. See, you've got a plan. You've got a plan for my life. I'm apparently here not only to be sober, but to help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. And in doing so, probably a few other things. But that's your job to figure that out, not mine. So I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. And it says to build with me. Because at this point in my life, there ain't nothing about me. I mean, I've been devastated. Um, there, I was pretty much a shell of a person. I didn't have any life skills whatsoever. Um, I didn't know. I had no social skills. I don't have too many today. I work on that. But, um, but I have more than I did whenever I was, you know, less than a year sober. And so it's to build with me. To build, to build uh, in me uh, somebody who is, um, who is, uh, you know, me and my sisters like to say, um, you know, a woman of grace and dignity. To, to build with me somebody, something other than what I am, and to do with me as you will. Then it says, relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do that will. So what this tells me is it's really a, a precursor to what's going to be happening. Because in order for me to do God's will and give myself my higher power, I'm going to have to be relieved of my own self-will. And it's a, and what I, what I, what I don't know while I'm saying this prayer is that I am in bondage of self-will. That selfishness and self-centeredness and a hundred forms of fear, it tells me over here on page 62, you know, that is the root of, of, of my troubles. All of my troubles are of my own making. But I've created my life as it is up to this point. And even up into the doctor's opinion, it tells me that I can recreate my life. So that's what it's saying. It says, relieve me of the bondage of self. That I've actually been in a prison, a self-made prison that I didn't even, wasn't even aware of. So that I can better do God's will. Um, Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. Now, when I first read that for the longest time, I thought, well, take away my difficulties means, well, gosh, you know, life's going to be easy now. I'm not going to have this financial problem. I'm not going to have this boyfriend problem. You know, he's going to start acting right. I mean, all these things are going to be taken care of now. But that's not the difficulties that it's referring to here. What it's referring to are the difficulties that I create within myself. It goes right back to the difficulties of self-will. And um, so that, it, and, and, and the difficulties that I create in my life as a result of self-will. It says, so that victory over these can bear witness to those that I might help. And the whole idea, really, of this prayer is to make myself of maximum service to God and my fellow human being. 
And that's, that's, it talks about that in step 10. And all through this book, it talks about that my whole purpose really is to make myself of maximum service to God and to my fellow human, human being. Not that I like that all that much, but that continues to be the reason for me to, to, to work these steps is to be sober and help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. And it says so that I can help um, people of their, uh, you know, bear witness to those that I help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Um, and what? And, it, and then it says we thought well before taking this step. And it talks about abandoning, our, abandoning ourselves utterly to him. So this really means that I'm going to have to trust that the path that I'm fixing to take is actually going to do what this prayer is actually promising me that it's going to do. And um, and uh, and it says that we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with somebody who understands. And, you know, from from the way that I understood it and the way that I was taught and I understand it today, that taking it with somebody else is, is a very powerful thing. And it was. It was very powerful for me. And the girls that I sponsor, um, I've always taken the step uh, on my knees with them. Also, um, and it's, it says it's only a beginning, though honestly, though if honestly and humbly made in effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. I actually didn't, I actually didn't feel anything real powerful whenever I did my third step prayer. Um, some people do, um, but I didn't. Um, but with regard to the third step, I don't know. I just continue to think of it as the magic fairy dust because. I can always take a look if if I'm balking on one of the steps. If I'm if I'm at step if I'm at step four and I get stuck in the middle of step four and I stop, I'm not working step three. Um, I've heard uh, uh, a lot of people say, you know, you need to go back to the previous step. Like if you're at step five, you got to go back to step four or whatever. I always say, look, first of all, let's go back to step one and two. But we go back to step three and find out where the willingness is, because steps one and two. Are it you know it talks about uh, you know and how it works. It, it, it's interesting on page sixty because the, it, that's where the ABCs are. It says a that we were powerless over alcohol and cannot manage our own lives, and that's talking about step one. B that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, and that's talking about step two. And C that God could and would if He were sought, and that's also talking about step two. And then interestingly enough, it says being convinced we are at step three. Now, that kind of implies something. What it implies is that up until this point in the book, up until page 60, that we've, that they've been, that Bill Wilson has been trying to convince us of something. And he's been trying to convince us of A, B, and C, which means steps one and two. And if, if I'm, if I'm not convinced that I'm powerless over alcohol and that my life is unmanageable, there's no reason for me to accept spiritual help. So moving on with step three and the rest of the, I mean, step, making a decision to accept spiritual help is impossible because I don't haven't acknowledged that there's a problem. All right. So, but if I have acknowledged that there's a problem in step one, and I've decided that that you know spiritual help in step two is what I'm looking to do, then I'm going to take step three and I'm going to say, okay, now what do I have to do? So step three says, move on with the rest of the steps. It says, do step four right now. It says, do step five when you're done with four. It says, take an hour and do step six. It says, then move into step seven. 
start writing out your eight step uh, your eight step amends your eight step list, and then start doing your ninth step amends. Move into steps ten and eleven and start sponsoring folks. That's what step three is all about. Um, and um, and uh, you know uh, it's interesting how Bill Wilson actually originally wrote this in the original manuscript. And I pull this out all the time. In the original manuscript, he actually says, you know, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after are um, are meant to sell you three ideas. Right? That's what he says. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. That no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And that God can and will. All right? Then it says, if you are not convinced of these three vital issues, reread the book up until this point or else throw it away. Because it is completely useless to do step three. I mean, there's no way you can do step three if you're not convinced of steps one and two. So, when you get to step three, it's, you're already saying, okay, I'm going to do this. So the way, that, and then there's the question, how do you turn your will and your life over to the care of God? Exactly how do you do that? And the answer is simple, like I just said, is you do the rest of the steps. It's not this, uh, okay, God, here you go. You know, it, and then God just says, okay, you're what? It's no, you know, whatever, sprinkle, dunk, whatever you do, and, you know, and, and, and you're done. Um, bake at 365, 365, and you know you're done. It doesn't work that way. It's it's um, it's we have to move on with the rest of the steps, and that's my understanding of step three. It's very simple, you know. It's very simple, and it's a precursor to in the way that the the way that the the step uh, actually uh, the prayer actually reads. It's a precursor all the way to step four. It's a precursor, and it, I mean, because if you think about it, you know, to build with me and do it, relieve me of the bondage of self. That means that we have to go in and we have to take inventory, and we have to then share that inventory with somebody. And it says, uh, take away my difficulties that you know, relieve me of the bondage of self, and better do your will. That's it, it you know, that's telling you right there that we're going to be going into four, five, six, and seven. That's for those of us who have done it. We know what's fixing to happen, you know. But if you haven't taken it before, you just say the prayer, and it's like, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do next. And that's really where you have to be. Um, the really, um, I think a really cool part here where it's talking about turning your will and your life over to the care of God is where we, it, it, it's, it's helping us to see that it, where it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Um, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. This is prepping us for steps for step four. That's what it's doing. Um, let's see, I have a note here. I have all kinds of notes in here. Let's see. Let's see if this makes any sense. Oh, yeah, at the bottom of page 67, I have a reference where it says, it, said, 
it, our self-centeredness, it says it, uh, and fear, it set in, in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? There's a, the spiritual axiom says that um, when we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us. And what, what, and, it all, and this all reminds me back when, in, in the doctor's opinion where it says that we can recreate our lives, which implies that we've created it exactly the way that it is. And, um, and what this step does is it gives me the first, um, the, the first, um, um, glimpse that I can now do something different with my life. Um, that I can now have with, I can use willpower in a positive way so that I can, uh, start writing, so that I can get a piece of paper and start putting down all of my resentments. That I can see that I really do want to be rid of this stuff. Because a lot of times what I found is that I want to hold on to some of this stuff, you know? Um, but once I've made, once I'm convinced that look at how my life has turned out, look how powerful alcohol uh, and or drugs has been in my life, and that, you know, I really do need help, then I'm going to do whatever is necessary. If I've just, if I've already got that, um, uh, that, that, that ball in motion, of willingness, that I'm just going to move forward. It takes all of about, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds to, to do steps one and two. And then to say the prayer, you get up off your knees. So you can have all of about, you know, um, a half an hour sober, and you can start working your inventory, really. there's That's about all there is to it. Um, you can look in your own life to figure out, you know, you know, I mean, as, as far as the powerlessness over alcohol and, and unmanageability of your life. So, I find it very interesting the way that it's laid out here. Um, I really like the way that my sponsor explained it to me as far as it's just a decision. Um, and it means absolutely nothing unless I move forward with the rest of the steps. And that the way that I turn my will and my life over to the care of God is to do the rest of the steps. Um, it's really very simple. Um, and, um, you know, the third step promise here on page 63 where it says, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind. As we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. That's a promise that if we continue to, to have step, if we continue to have step three in our life, that these things can occur. But they can only occur if we move on with the rest of the steps. Um, I'm constantly having to go back to step three, depending on what's going on in my life. I mean, I always have to go back to one and two, um, because periodically during my life, I'll, I will, um, my life will become unmanageable again, and I have to make a decision. You know, am I, you know, do, do I want my life to be different? You know, I, find, I get myself so caught up in what's going on, um, uh, whether it's job situation, whether it's a, a tragedy, you know, like the death of my husband. Um, no matter what it is that's going on, I can always make it a major calamity. I mean, I could have a hangnail and forget it, you know, the rest of the day's shot. Um, and, uh, and I can make anything into a big deal, but 
I have to take a look and, I'm, and, and say, you know, what's my, what's my real purpose here? And my real purpose to be is, is to be of maximum service to God and my fellow, fellow man. So I have to become willing again. And I have to be willing to take a look at myself. It's just a constant, it's a constant surrender. And it's a constant, I was just talking on the, on the way over here with somebody, um, about, um, you know, do I really have to, do I really have to do this all the time? Do I have to, she said, do I have to take a look and be aware that I'm an alcoholic and an addict? Do I always have to take a look and re-surrender again? Do I have to, you know, I just want to live my life. And I'm like, that's the way it is for us. We have to always remember. We have to always surrender. Because if we don't, we're going to be right back into that selfishness and self-centeredness. Right back into that, that self-made prison that we, that we were in. And forget any kind of peaceful life. It may not look as glamorous and as exciting on the, ver- on the surface as that old life did. But as you stay sober longer and longer, you find out that you get a peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of trouble. And that even though you're sitting in a, a church, not necessarily, I guess this is a basement. I don't know. Let's call it a basement. Relax. It, it, it's sitting in a church basement, you know, when you could be in the city doing all kinds of exciting things, you know. Um, this is really where, where, where life begins for us. And all of these church basements that we put underneath our belt allow us to be able to go out and do some of those things and to be peaceful and to stay sober. Um, so, um, and also, you know, interestingly enough, when you get up off your knees from saying uh, the third step prayer, it says next. Um, people have often said, you know, how long is it between step three and four? I'm like, well, I don't know. Last time I looked at how long the word next was, it meant like right there. Got a pen? So, um, thanks for uh, letting me share this evening. Um, I just want to, oh, I have uh, something here. I just kind of want to read this. This is actually a little thing called the 12 Steps of Insanity. And uh, I'll just kind of close with this. This is step three. Made a decision to have our loved ones and our friends turn their will and their lives over to our care. So um, that's kind of what, uh, on any given day, that's what I want. My self-will really got me placed. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.